Next time on a very spooky fine dining podcast, the season one finale, TGI Fridays the 13th. Oh, you betcha. Pineapple's gonna hit the fan as Michael's son, Juicy, or in this episode, Juice son, Voorhees, <laughs> goes on a murderous rampage and no one is safe. It gets real spooky, it gets real bloody, and not everyone's gonna make it to the end of the episode. Who will live, who will die? Listen to Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, break down a trip to TGI Fridays based on the atmosphere, the service, and the food, and try not to be scared to death. Hear the thrilling finale of Fine Dining, Wednesday, October 25th, wherever you get your podcasts. place is coming home yes that's right we've gone football mad for one week only i'm harriet langley swindon and this is non-censored hello and welcome to another week of non-censored the best bits from this week of my very 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 successful and much listened radio show i'm harriet langley swindon and as always I'm joined by my producer and brother-in-law, Martin. Hello, Martin. How Hello. are we this I, week? I've got to tell you, I'm not feeling too good. I think I've got a fever and I think it's football fever. <laughs> I'm actually feeling fine, although I am a little sweaty, but that's nothing to do with illness. Right, thanks, Martin. I'm not sure if that was an attempt at a joke, but we'll, we'll keep it in. Now, we have a live show at the very... Uh, admittedly rather wokey arts festival, the Edinburgh Festival, on the 19th of August at the Roundabout. And tickets are available soon, so if you want to see us live, there's your chance. Pains Plough Roundabout for more details on that. Or if you can't be bothered to go all the way up to Scotland, and to be honest with you, why would you? You can come to our live show in London on September the 10th. Tickets are available at kingsplace.co.uk. But football! You've got very into this tournament, haven't you, Martin? Oh, yes, I love it. You know, kicking the ball, uh, jumpers for goalposts. <laughs> Actually, it's just normal goalpost for goalposts. But it is very, very impressive. We have Lucy Atkinson. Uh, she's a former professional football player who will be commenting on the final. That's, that's not the proper final, but the final for women. <laughs> You sort of used to do football before anyone cared about it. I mean, in, in the in the women's way, right? Yeah, I mean, people did care about it quite a lot, um, and at the so, time, you know, because it wasn't like mainstream. So actually, the people who cared about it, I think, cared about it more. But the, you know, there were lots yeah. of people who liked it. A lot of you know kids that we were really inspiring at the time. So there's, I mean, it's got a really broad appeal. It's just you know now. It's got a broader appeal because it's you know it, it's mainstream. We, we're we, we're winning. We are winning. Yeah, we're winning. yeah, we're doing really well. Don't want to you know jinx it or anything, but we are doing really well. We are going to the final against Germany. Always exciting when we go against Germany on anything right. for historical yeah, reasons. Right, Lucy. I've got to say, I, I was particularly excited uh, that we were getting you on the program. I've been such a big fan of the Lionesses. I'm ready to right. hear them roar. Yeah. You know, it's coming home. Yes, yeah, so what you've a been team, supporting huh? us for a long time, then, I mean, yeah. Since you know, before oh it was yeah, trendy. 
the yeah before the semi-finals right. certainly um right. bethany england am i right what a what 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 a woman yeah. what a yeah. name oh, yeah it's, a it, it's just good name. it got me excited just knowing that she was on the squad um i could go on please. do, do you know, go on there, so many please good. do go on yeah jill scott oh, oh midfield she she can you know sometimes it's defensive sometimes it's attacking but that's the nature of the the role when you're in the middle right, of the yeah. field isn't it yeah you know a lot about football then that's great Beth you, you've England mentioned her, yeah did I mention she's yeah, yeah what, what a, a woman <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be there you know not actually at Wembley but I'm gonna be in front of the television for sure it's gonna be on I'm gonna be watching. Or at least listening if I have to work over Sunday. Yeah, what? I'm going to check in uh, whether we are winning, and then I'll then I'll switch it on. Right. I, I would say that you know, um, although the winning is really important, and I think that's you know a really it's important thing important. for us all. I would really encourage you to like watch the game, to watch the whole thing, yeah. to really get involved mm-hmm. in it because you know the the good thing about us getting so far now and like people actually being interested in women and football is that you know this could be like a legacy moment for us you know and we could really like get people interested get more girls who want to play football up and in the game and you know not having to give up because we don't want we don't want too many girls doing that do we otherwise you know they they wouldn't do proper jobs right right I mean it is a it is now a proper job obviously when I was doing it it was more for the love you know because they weren't the opportunities but uh you know i'm i'm really pleased that now after i've stopped playing you know it's getting the the you know attention do you, do you think it would be better if when you when when you were playing you were winning and maybe maybe then I mean, then people would have cared a well, bit more we were doing quite well it's just you know it wasn't we weren't on sky we weren't on the bbc you know no no one was um watching us sorry lucy would you say a winning woman yeah in football is the equivalent of a man who loses but loses well uh well what i'd say is that a woman winning is equivalent to a man winning really yeah and i'd say you know like a a, a woman is equivalent to a man you know sometimes what? they're like well all right if you take three of those women they're worth one normal man mm-hmm. you know like three of those yes. exceptional women are worth one normal man I would say three of those exceptional women are worth three of those exceptional men but one of those men he could easily tackle those women to the ground you know like they do in football and score the winning goal yeah yeah I don't know if you you have obviously not watched a lot of the the football but the women do spring back a lot quicker um you know they're much more um it's actually the the men cry a lot more and do a lot more rolling around on the floor in pain. But, you know, women, a lot of them have to give birth, so being kicked in the shin isn't really that bad. Has any women given birth on, on a pitch? Not to my knowledge, but, hey, you know, that's the first time for everything, right? <laughs> and it does feel like something a woman footballer would do, isn't it? Sort of, I'll give birth on a pitch, have a period. Well, I mean... That sort of yeah. thing. But they are they are winning, so I think that's Exactly, that's so I think maybe we can wonderful. say, you know, periods help you win. 
Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, when I honestly, when I'm on my period, I, I get now I'm quite a sort of level-headed, nice person. Right. But on my period, I get a bit, I get a bit tricky, don't I, Martin? Oh yes, you know that some people are concerned that uh, um, you know women having periods might attract bears, but I, I always say, "Oh, no, Harriet becomes a type of bear. Yes. She, she she physically assaults me. Yes, um, yes. It, it is quite uh, painful. Uh, we at laugh, times, we but... laugh about it afterwards. We really do. Best way. Yeah. Do you think um, maybe women's football is for those women who don't want to have babies? Uh, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to say that about anyone. You know, you can you you can be a woman in in sport and have children. A lot of women do. Bit embarrassing though, isn't it? If your mother was a football player, don't you think it'd be amazing? I mean, obviously, when I was a football player for my kids, it was quite embarrassing because you know it was uh, it just wasn't as wasn't as trendy as it is now. You know, whereas now, if I was a football player, it's still you know <laughs> was getting all the attention. I think my kids would be really excited. You know, but at the time. I don't think they mentioned it. Time you were an embarrassment. Uh, I, I wouldn't say an embarrassment. It's just I just didn't talk about it. A failure. Yeah. As sort of, what's the point of you, mum? There was a little thing. bit of that, you know, but I, I don't all kids yeah. say that to their mums at some point. Oh, yeah, I get it nonstop from my children. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> Be better. You're, you're a pushover. You're an embarrassment. It's all sorts yeah. of silly fun, fun jokes. that they, I don't know where they get it from, really. Well, Lucy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much and best of luck with your no longer playing thank football. Thank you very much, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Well, that's enough football. Let's talk about the political chaos in the Labour Party. Oh, goodness, Martin, have you been following this? Absolutely. People losing their jobs, some people losing their tempers, to be honest. <laughs> we had Tim Dalton on the show uh, talking about the, the sort of Labour factionalism. He is, of course, a journalist for The New Statesman. Let's take a listen. Let's start with talking about frontbencher Sam Tarry, who was sacked after defying Keir Starmer's ban on joining the picket line. What's your view on this? Well, he, t- t- we've, we've got a Start splitting hairs right from the off. I'm afraid oh, okay. um, he was. He wasn't. He wasn't actually sacked for being on a picket line. Right. He was sacked for what he said about pay rises whilst on the, the picket line. Oh. And it's worth getting these things sort of cleared up because if there's one thing the Labour Party wants to try and avoid at this stage, it's uh, factionalism and uh, just making sure that we're all on. They're all on the same page because uh, it's perhaps easier to think of Labour at the moment more like the Commonwealth than a political party. It's now a loose group sharing a sort of common history, some of whom are happier to talk about that history than others. Right. Can you um, elaborate a bit? So there is no factionalism, but yet there are factions. So, for example, Sam Tarry is, uh, he was seen to be on the uh, sort of Corbynite, um, mm. shall we say. And yeah, so uh, he will fa- fall into the left. Labour side of things. Yes. Now, uh, they're, they're not traditionally aligned with the liberal Labour side of things. So that means that perhaps certain elements haven't sort of rushed around to help him. Um, now, Benite Labour, who you would think would maybe back Sam Tarry, they're not really coming to his aid because uh, there's a little bit of a row there with what we'd call socialist Labour who are backing Tarry. But I'm sure this will all be sort of come out in the wash as time progresses. 
And where did the Guardian reading signed petition Labour people fall under? So they would be under what is sort of, we, we would define as Labour first, which is part of something called Labour to Win, which right. is where you would find Keir Starmer at the moment. That's very much like at the, the far end of one spectrum, the other end being sort of momentum, who would yes. be next to left Labour who would be next to maybe Labour left, who are, they're not the same thing. Labour left, left Labour, they're subtly different, different WhatsApp groups. Then there'd be a sort of socialist Labour. The socialist Labour group is kind of what's left of the democratic socialist group, uh, which they set up a separate, they set up a separate WhatsApp group for a pub quiz that's got wildly out of hand. Ah. it's all got very confusing, hasn't it, Tim? I, I, I liked your um, suggestion that it's a bit like the Commonwealth because it, it started off as a sort of um, like an, an, a British man, an Australian and a Canadian walk into a bar type situation, didn't it? And now we've realised that the British man is actually an Irish man, <clears throat> well, a Northern Irish man and an English man and a Scotsman on top of each other's shoulders wearing a trench coat, maybe. What are you talking about, Martin? I mean, just it, it, there's a lot more to it than, than, than it first seems, and it, it is sort of a, a bit of a joke. Out of interest, what what sort of faction are you on the left? Or you're liberal? That's, no, liberal I mean, Democrats? I wouldn't. That's that's not what I wanted right. to get into. Yeah, I don't like to stake my position in in any situation. Um, although they do have a lot of good policies and really are being treated quite unfairly just because of something that happened quite a few years ago. Sorry, getting back to the matter in in hand, Tim, we sort of touched on these different factions, which I have to say I understood perfectly and kind of knew everything that you you were saying already. But there has been a lot of anger, hasn't there? I mean, Diane Abbott posted that oh she pointed out that Keir Starmer was on the picket line in 2019 and she she wrote is he going to sack himself now what what do we make of that Labour is on something of a journey and Mm. Keir Starmer is also on this journey and I think everybody is um apart from Sam Tarry who's now sort of yeah, he's off, not on the journey off anymore. Off the journey. Off, which but, is actually quite convenient because he's off because of trains and, of course, you get on a journey by getting on a train. That's it. That's that's yes. that's that's Sam Tarry there in, a, in yes. a nutshell, really. But that's, you know, in terms of the Diane Abbott situation, you can sort of see what's happened there. You know, Diane Abbott is from the, the Corbynite side yeah. of the uh, the party obviously she was very involved in the in the in the corbyn project that's the opposite of course to blue labor which is the sort of right of the party then there's obviously there's green labor which would be more slightly aligned towards the green party there's brown labor for those who were more involved with the sort of gordon brown economic policy now there was a move to try and bring all those colors together under the name rainbow labor unfortunately that name was already taken by the lgbt group so they had a chat and a scientist actually pointed out that if you put all the colors together you get white but they just decided that was never gonna fly is there an orange labor they have changed their name to labor now then there's there's a group who are trying to sort of coalesce everyone together they're calling themselves the labor like the batman i suppose yeah there's a group who want to try and bring in a sort of younger demographic uh that's that's called the labor isn't it it was called child labor and they but well someone spotted it um 
There's lads, lads, labour. They use Tony Blair's GQ magazine article from the mid-90s as really uh, their touchstone. That's in opposition really to Labour then, who've got a bit of a kinnock agenda. Labour foot first. That's got a sort of donkey jacket vibe to them. Let's Labour. Miliband brackets D, Miliband brackets E. Those are factions that have been sort of hanging around for a while now. I think one of them's only got like one person left in it. Can't believe it's Labour. They're sort of still kicking around, mm-hmm. I think. And then this week, it uh, uh, we start with a new faction, Labour for Pickets, uh, oh. which is, I think they really are getting behind the idea that you can get a day off work. And Tim, do these different factions, do they ever sort of have a fight to the death or have an underground match where they throw things at each other? Uh, Or are they quite respectful? There's an attempt to be quite respectful in amongst these factions. I think it's like all these things, is that people will move from group to group. Some will um, coalesce. I think there was a while, for example, where Let's Labour and Labour Now sort of came together. What this is all about, I think, is, you know, this week, Keir Starmer is trying to sort of put a line under some of this and move forward. So that's the challenge for him, is that, you know, he's not just the leader of Labour First, which is part of Labour to win or labor to win just part of labor first he's not just the leader of that he he is the leader of the labor party so he needs to bring all these groups together under one concise banner right well i i mean it it sounds like he should get a grip because it sounds very easy to do uh tim thank you for coming on the show thank you for having me And, of course, on the show, we had Ishan Akbar. And uh, he put through a rather provocative argument this week, didn't he, Martin? But I think pretty compelling. Absolutely. It was was certainly a hot and spicy take, um, although I feel it may be cold and bland by the time the winter comes, if you know what I mean. (laughs) No, I don't know what you mean, Martin. You've really got to stop being so cryptic. Anyway, here is Ishan Akbar with his hot and spicy takeaway of the week. Dan, how are you today? Yes, I'm I'm feeling very, very good, thank you. How are you, Harriet? I am very good, thank you. I'm very looking forward to this week's hot and spicy takeaway of the week. Well, I have got something very hot and spicy for you. Oh. So as you know, hot relates to mm-hmm. heating, which relates yes. to energy, of course. Oh, and, yes. and the news hot off the press oh. is the Owners of British Gas, who provide our heating, Centrica, have made the tidy sum of £1.34 billion in the first half of this year. What a great British story. Despite all the fear-mongering you've heard about it being the most challenging energy crisis in living memory, frankly, us paying more means that a company like Centrica can make even more money. So the hot and spicy takeaway of the week is this. There's no such thing as a cost of living crisis. What it is, is a cost of living helping, helping British business get better and make more profit. Oh, I love this take. This is wonderful. Because so often these energy companies, you know, which which do a lot, do a lot for this country and for, you know, the, the common man. Yes. Really, I feel get it in the neck 
don't they? They do. I, I mean, mean, there's all this. It's. I mean, it's frankly, I feel like as a society, we expend too much energy criticizing these yes. gas companies. And frankly, yes. we ought to put our energy together to help these energy companies make more money. And the more money they make, the more executives make. And the more executives make, the nicer things they 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 buy. So overall, it helps the economy. Yes. And, and you know, and then you've got the kind of awful lefty faction talking about how, oh, no, we should make them do a windfall tax and things like this. And, and you think, why are you... Why are you persecuting these companies just for making money? Well, and also no, you I, can't you can't apply a windfall tax to companies that have put up these amazing wind farms which are trying to generate more yes. energy for us. I mean, leave wind alone for goodness sake. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Uh, well, sorry, sorry. Well, uh, no, some sorry. What's I'm your just, response to this hot well, spicy takeaway? No, I mean, I I suppose it's not much of a surprise. I mean, I don't want to Get anyone hot under the collar <laughs> with 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 my opinion. That's fairly sexual. I, I, I don't need to. I don't need that. No, I, well, Martin, by, by pick, really saying, not appropriate. I've look, just got I, an image of you. Well, that's not the to... point. I was just trying to make a fun pun. And you're the, doing that to our listeners. The, the point is that I, I I don't think that people should have to pay over the odds when they're already struggling with a cost of living crisis. And I I, I think it's actually. Uh, in rather bad taste for these big energy companies to be profiteering from what is a national, nay, a a global crisis. I I mean, mean, surely... There's no crisis. They've made 1.34 billion. I mean, for goodness sake. Yes, they're not in crisis. Frankly, Martin... They're doing wonderful work. Centrica, tip of the iceberg. This company in Spain made 2.2 billion. So, frankly, the the crisis is they haven't made enough. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the iceberg because, of course, uh, one of the great casualties, apart from all the people struggling to heat their houses and to to, uh, to afford the food that they put on the table, is, of course, the climate crisis. Ongoing disaster. Oh, for goodness sake. Do you know what? Every time we do a hot and spicy takeaway, I think, is Martin going to bring up the environment this time? You know, if Martin was on the Titanic, he wouldn't have been crying for the people that died on the Titanic. He'd be crying for the bloody iceberg. Yes, yes, exactly. Or he'd be going, no, no, it's too hot. There is no iceberg. I wouldn't. It's not a partisan statement to say that there is an ongoing climate crisis I, I just uh, don't know crisis. why with the Listen, things that are actually it can't be a crisis happening. if you can go to the park with your friends and have some ice lollies and some lovely wine and some picnic goods in the beautiful weather the nice and hot and sunny I don't want to get dr- Harriet he always does this he drags me into a climate conversation yes. okay I know well, I know I'm, not, I'm really sorry it's okay. just awful I can move on and also producer Martin and, can I just say yes. you talk about oh cost of living it's been really nice weather and as a result people haven't had to use their exactly heating. so if anything this so-called climate crisis is Easing the so-called living crisis. Absolutely. I mean, there is, and then there's yes. a balance for each one. Of course, there will be more air conditioning units used. And here's the thing, spending producer more money Martin. On the refrigeration and air conditioning what? units don't use no, energy, Martin. You just switch it on and it does a fan. It uses yes. the air. And also, when it's incredibly hot, people don't have to layer up as much, so they wear less clothes. Less clothes mean less clothes being made, which means less clothes Mm -hmm. being transported around the world. Therefore, we're contributing to less energy being expended. Actually, frankly, if you believe in the climate crisis, it's a good thing because it makes people behave better and consuming less energy. This is absolutely brilliant. Yep. 
Yeah. I don't think people sell their clothes when they're not using them. You know, I mean, just because it's a oh, hot no, day, actually, you don't suddenly... Actually, Martin, you can. You can. What you do is I go to this secondhand designer clothes shop and I say, how much can you give me for this dress? Yeah. And if they say that dress has a mark on it, I go, there is no mark. Oh. There is no mark. See, I Penny, have seen you wear... a dress and give me money. I've seen you... Oh, I see. Because your sister doesn't go to the secondhand place. She definitely wears prime designer, I've seen. No. She's... It, Ishan, I don't wear secondhand clothes. Oh. I go to the secondhand clothes shop yes. to give my old clothes to the secondhand clothes shop so they can give me money. Okay. I think to actually, sell for what, me. I mean, Harriet, even even though you're obviously on one side of the debate, I, I think it is to be encouraged that you are involved in the uh, secondhand refurbished clothes sector. You're you're giving to something that will eventually you, help stop climate change. Yes. Uh, in in your small, strange. Well, you know, way. Martin. That's that's why that's why I I do it, and so that uh, they will pay me money, so I can sell off the clothes I no longer like to wear yes. anymore. Well, is there? My question would be: Is there a better way in which we could get these very rich um, energy companies to do something similar no. to, to donate? Some of the, no. you know, the products that they're done with—they've got so much Sorry, money. Are why you, not, are you, pro- are you not proposing that any companies to... go to secondhand shops and go, "Oh, here's some gas. Oh, here you go," and they they pass the gas. They're not charities, Martin. They're, not charities. they're businesses. They don't have a cost of living crisis at all. Yes, they exactly. They're not having a cost of living crisis. So, is it really a cost of living crisis? So, the just to get this straight, the mm-hmm. idea is that. Anyone struggling with the cost of living crisis should just maybe earn more money. Yes. By charging yes. more for their services. This is what I keep saying. Just get a better job or just charge people things. Here's another option. If, you, if you're unable to earn more money, whatever money you do mm. have, spend more of it because it's good for Britain. It contributes to our GDP growth. Yes, yeah, contributes to the, it, the economy. It's yeah, better the to economy. be poor in Britain. You know, I come from an immigrant background, I mean, and let me tell you, my parents would rather be poor here than anywhere else. And that's, I do that's, like Britain. that's why we have to send, uh, n- not not yourself, of course, Ishan, but that's why we have to send well, the, these here. immigrants away, I, because I, I they keep wanting here. to be poor. I was born here, so you, you can't send me anywhere, really. Were you? Yes, yes, I was born here. I was born in London. Where? L- London, England. Oh. Oh, that's quite unique, isn't it? I mean, it's not that unique. Uh, So we had Kima Bob on the show. Uh, They are a comedian and feminist, and they are talking about their new podcast, Femmes of Colour. Now I can already hear you all getting very worried, and don't worry, I really held them to account. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I just uh, glad glad to be here. I think. Yes, yes, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. It's always nice to help with exposure for young, new sort of mm-hmm. comics. I guess I don't mm-hmm. know. Now, um, you've launched a Femmes of Color podcast. Why? Ah, that is a 
That's a beautiful question. Thank you for asking. Thank um, you. Well, initially, the Films of Color Comedy Club was a live night, and we've taken that live night and basically recorded it, edited it down so that we can share it with a larger audience of people. Um, I think community is really important, and now we have the opportunity to extend our community of mostly queer and black and brown people to beyond who can come down to London and who can afford the gig, uh, just kind of opening the arms of the community to an audience that is beyond London, beyond the UK. Yeah, and just making it more accessible and sharing the love. But you say accessible, it doesn't sound very accessible. What about the white women? What about the white men? Mm. What about the straight people? I mean, isn't this sort of discrimination, really? Mm. Well, the thing is, white people are definitely welcome. I welcome white money to pay for white tickets. I welcome white listeners to, you know, listen with their white ears. Um, So white people are definitely invited into the party. Uh, It's just important that they understand that their feelings will not be prioritized in the space, which is, I think, a fun change for white people in, in a comedy space. But you're take you're taking away their voices. They're becoming mm. the voiceless, mm. aren't they? I mean, well, they can. Still... How is that? That when you take away mm. people's voices, that's what happens in 1984. Mm. I mean, is this what you're doing? Yeah, I am essentially mm. George Orwell now. Yes. I I feel like the white voices they can still laugh and they can clap, um, but they are not allowed right. to be on like a, stage like a little monkey. Mm-hmm. Which is fun because I think right. historically, uh, in racist terms, black people have been referred to as monkeys, but now it's white people, and that's fun. But the ra- racism stopped now. We've cured that. So why are we trying to now mm. reverse it and be racist towards white people? Uh, that's fun. I actually don't believe in uh, reverse racism. I think it's a myth. Oh. Yeah, I think it's what? reverse racism is like the boogeyman. It's not a thing, actually. And um, like like um like structural racism. Oh, another another. Myth. Well, we have you know facts and figures to show that that's a thing. But I think uh, reverse racism is largely rooted in fear, and I I don't think that I don't think it's an actual danger to um white people's like health or well being. Just like one one comedy night not uh, centering them would also not be um, a detrimental to white people, but might actually be quite healing and inviting and welcoming to other communities that usually aren't centered in most comedy spaces. But I'm going to pick you up on that, actually, because there are there are facts to show that reverse racism exists. Oh, great. If you go on, there's a, a, yeah, would yeah, you there's mind a very good sharing, blog. And- sharing some with me? Um, sure. Um, Martin, do you have them to hand? I get very nervous when people uh, talk about racism, as you both well know. But I, I think I do have something that could could sort of tie together what you're both talking about, which is uh, people losing their voices, especially the white community, feeling like they can't talk. Um, and Because in, in season four, episode 10 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, exactly what happens i mean the creepy gentlemen steal the voices of the largely white population of sunnydale and uh in in that particular occasion the the only way that they can 
regain their voices is by um, smashing the small box in, in which their voices are kept. So that might be something that's relevant to... You, maybe that's you something think, you could so talk you think, about. Um, in, us, in us white people need to smash a box. Well, it's all fine. Some kind of uh, vampire back. slayer. Sarah Michelle. Do you think Gellar? it was? Do you think it was a, a metaphor then? That that episode, because I think that's season four. Yes. And yes. there is one black man, and he's quite annoying. Not because he's black. I I want to make that clear. Yeah, Forrest, but maybe yeah. that sort of fits into. He's friends the, with Riley, and Riley's not metaphor. very interesting. And I think it's more to do with their friendship mm. as to why he doesn't come across well, rather than right. racial. Great. This is this has been um, super enlightening for me. Thank and you. I'm just no, glad yeah. we're not I, talking about race. Yeah, well, I thought uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was just a fun, you know, entertainment, but turns out it's a whole metaphor for Isn't white it? existence. There's and a lot. There's a lot more. Yeah, to that's it than, that's yeah. pretty huge. It's pretty. I mean, lots. It's because you see, our voices are so oppressed. I think often we have to resort to you know speaking through art, mm. be it Buffy the Vampire Slayer or um, the Generation Game. Mm. All sorts well, of see, things. Right you know. now, you guys, I assume white, were talking so much and no one silenced mm. you. And I think that's a great example. of There are loads of spaces for white people to speak. What I've just done is created one where um, they don't. Yes, but, but mm-hmm. Kima, that does make people feel bad. Mm. I, that makes me feel oh, bad. I'm so sorry. So I think Do maybe you know you what should... makes me feel mm. bad? Uh, being what? like excluded and tokenized and you know like facing racism in different forms and also misogyny and homophobia etc you know having uh, my identity called into question those kind of things make me feel bad but I, I think in an interesting way, but it's not as not as big as me feeling bad. Yeah. I think on yours. So if we're doing a scale, of who's feeling on, the worst? Um, yes, I think it's me. I think I'm sort of eight out of ten. I think yours is sort of three and a half. Yeah, out of that's 10. that's your scale. I think we just need to marginalise it a bit. Mm, you know, put it into margins. Mm. I think what's what's yes. interesting is um, there's a uh, nothing that says that. Um, you know, people shouldn't ever feel bad. So I think the fact that you feel a bit bad now, you know, might be okay. Like maybe it's good for you to feel bad sometimes. Is it? I mostly feel terrible a lot of the time, actually. I think we need a range of experience as a human being. So, you know, sometimes it'll, it'll make when you feel good feel even better. If you uh, occasionally feel I d- bad, I don't know. This is just reminding of me. I don't know if you remember, but in Britain's Got Talent, they did this sort of dance thing, and it was to do with sort of Black Lives Matter. Mm. And I just thought, why you you're bringing this here? You're ruining my evening. Mm. I, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want this to be a sort of therapy session for me. But you know, I it, it has been. It has been tough for me over the past past two two years or so. Yeah, you know? it does sound like it's been mm. uh, very 
very tough time for you specifically. Yeah. I mean, I would say that yeah. it's been maybe a, a harder time for, you know, black and brown people uh, for more yeah, than uh, the past two years. I would say for, oh. I don't know, like hundreds, it's been kind of, been kind of tough. But I'm glad that you're doing what you can to take care of yourself. And also, if you're sort of, if you're talking about the past, can I just say, yes, racism was very bad, but you, you have to remember that Britain, we, we um, stopped slavery. We did that. Great, great so, work. You know, let's let's just keep let's keep that in mind. We we stop. That. It's always good just... to, oh, to so stop what you start. It's always good to stop what you start. Um, Martin, yeah. Oh yes, yes. Um, I was just going to say first of all, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I'm a very big fan. I uh, listened to the Guilty Feminist, and your work on there is wonderful. Um, I actually have um, my own little game here that I've devised that I. I I thought I could play with you because um, obviously yeah. in, in The Guilty Feminist, you, you start with, uh, I'm a feminist, but, and, and then you say yeah. what your, your sort of toxic trait is and you talk around it. So I thought up um, some femme of colour uh, traits. Of course, there, there aren't any people of colour in the uh, non-censored team and the only right. woman involved is Harriet. Well, so Isha, we have actually we have oh, we have Ishan of, as our course, diversity but he hire. doesn't really respond to my yes. text messages, so he didn't want to uh, join in on that. So I've I've put right. myself in the position of a femme of color, an honorary femme really, of color. Yeah. If you don't, and and I thought I'd just read them out, and you could tell me whether it's toxic or non toxic. Great. Okay, so here we go. Um, I'm a femme of color, but um, if the Jehovah's Witnesses call. I pretend that I'm not home. I think that's uh, I think that's kind of universal. Yeah, that's that's an acceptable thing because it can be a bit intimidating, and once you've let them in, they're coming back every week, aren't they? Mm. I open the door and tell them to get. I've lost. got another one here. Um, uh, I I'm a femme of color, but yes. even though my hair is very lovely, I will not let other people touch it. Hmm. That's fun. See, I guess the thing is with um with the guilty feminists when you do I'm a feminist, but generally yes. you try to make them uh, funny, and I think that's oh. all that's uh, missing here. It's just a bit it's of a humor. A oh, bit I've of got humor. one. Humor. I've got one. Um, I, I'm okay. a, I'm a femme of color, but yes. I I once uh, pushed uh, Noel Edmonds down uh, just the, the last step as he's walking down some steps. That's actually a true story. I, actually, yeah, I, I saw him. I just gave him a little nudge. Well, um, you he, he did wasn't that. injured. Uh, yes. I, While, I were you in the, in the character of a, a film of colour then? I was just remembering um, something funny that happened because I thought you'd like it. And then I thought, would I have done that if I was a femme of colour? And I thought, mm. you know what, I, prob- I probably still would. That's fun. Well, that was... That was interesting, Martin. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Kima. Thank you. Uh, Martin kindly touched on the guilty feminist there. Why aren't women funny? That's a powerful question. I think it's because um, I I think oh we're thinking about periods and oh, things. I'm, I'm, and- I just. Sorry, my little lady brain is so lost in the complexities of this mm. question. I, I think yeah. what's what's challenging is I, I I don't know. I think a better question is why 
Well, can some people not hop into the experience of women that do comedy? I feel like a better question is why do people automatically give men the benefit of funny? It's like the benefit of the doubt, but it's like the benefit of hilarity. I think we're socialized to view, you know, basic male voices as authoritative. Um, and I think that, quite frankly, women are hilarious. Um, non-binary people are hilarious. Trans people are hilarious. And I think we just need to open our ears and open our hearts to other perspectives and I guess the question is, why are people still laughing at men telling toilet jokes about how their wife wants to with the door open? You know, like, why are we still laughing right, at I, that? I, I feel like you gave me quite a lot of questions there. And actually, I ask the questions. Oh, is that how this works so, on this platform? That's, yes. So I, I, uh, I sort of... Slight, slightly resent resent all that. It was quite a lot of questions, and I found actually a lot of them quite, uh, quite a- attacking. Mm. Uh, I've yes. just got to say, I so, I find women and non-binary people and transgendered people very. I, I think they can be funny. I haven't laughed at a man for some time. That you know. Good job, Martin. Thank you. So. We must wrap up, but how would you feel if I started a Femmes of No Colour podcast? Um, A lot of those do exist. They're not called that, but there are plenty of podcasts out there that don't feature people of colour. So it would be tough for you maybe to find a uniqueness in doing that. But I say go for it. And, you know, whatever consequences happen, enjoy those as well. Well, thank you so much. And you are always welcome in this space. Oh, thank you. I don't think I'll be back. Well, that's it for this week. You can download Femmes of Colour wherever you get your podcast or you can also download one of our past podcasts. In fact, you can rate our podcast, can't you, Martin? You can do all sorts. Yes, but I've found that if you if you click uh, any star that is under five, that sometimes that causes you a bit of trouble with your, uh, <laughs> with your device. So probably stay on the safe side and click five stars when you're giving it a review. With thanks to Rosie Holt, Brendan Murphy, Ishan Akbar, Ruth Bratt, Gareth Gwynn, Ed Morish, and special guest Kima Bob. I've been Harriet Langley Swindon. He's been producer Martin. See you next week. <laughs> 